everybody. Uh, welcome to the new year. Welcome to a new year of DFV. Uh, I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I'm your co-host, Brad. And we want to welcome you to uh, the, I don't know how many, I don't know what number annual this is, but we want to welcome you to our best of 2023 list here. Uh, we're going to be going down um, our top 10 favorites of 2023. It's going to be a fun one here, uh, especially with the films that have come out. Like, uh, you know, hey, Brad, how long did it take you to make this list? Uh, for me, it actually probably was about an hour of going through all the movies for oh. this year and being like, OK, so this one's going to be on the list. This one's going to be on the list. And then just tweaking it and bouncing movies up and down. And over the course of the last week, I actually saw a couple more movies, which kind of changed things up a little bit as well. So that can happen. Yeah, it, it it's definitely one of those things where this year was an interesting one for movies because there's just this giant blank spot of like four months that nothing right. came out. And then a whole bunch of good shit just came out in December. Right. You it, know what I mean? November and December were packed somehow with so many movies. I want to say about like 70% of my list is like from some movies that came on December or clo- or in November here. Like it, it got pushed when that strike ended. It was like, okay, oh, yeah. push, push everything. Um. Yeah, man, I, I got to say, this was a, uh, I always, this is something I do every year. Every day, every year I see critics or, you know, cinephiles put their best top 10 of 2023 list, like, like in the beginning of December. I'm like, how can you do it that early? I got to right. wait until like the last week to get myself together. Yeah, because even in this last week alone, we saw basically three major pictures come out with uh poor things the iron claw and aquaman and it's like color purple came out not too long ago that's true yeah which did that one officially come out to widespread theaters or is that still on limited release too i think that came out christmas day to widespread okay color purple did yeah so yeah it's there's a lot that comes out in december Especially this year with everything kind of getting pushed around because of the strikes with both the writer's strike and the actor's strike happening at the same time. Yes, sir. And uh, without further ado, man, I uh, I just want to get into it. What about you? Oh, yeah. There, we got to just jump into it because this is going to be a list. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'll start us off here. Uh, my number 10, I have The Boy in the Heron by uh, Hayao uh, Miyazaki. Who, like I told you, this is not going to be his last film. I told you. <laughs> I said, I, that dude ain't retiring, man. Yeah, I have a feel. You know, we'll see if he comes out with anything else. I have a feeling that he'll always be drawing stuff and he'll always be like creating stories. But we'll see if something comes out as like a full feature film. I wouldn't be shocked to see a short film come out from him in the future and everything. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't know if he has it in him to do storyboards for a whole you know hour and a half movie again well we'll see time will tell right but um yeah going into this film here this was an anticipated one for me because uh when i found out that you know of course he was making another film i said oh, okay you know I, I like i like a lot of his work you know brad and i have seen some of his work uh so i was looking forward to this and uh when i saw it man you know it's just it was just so gorgeous on the big screen now mind you i went to a regal where the theatrical experience could have been better 
Mm-hmm. But even with that, you know, it, it, it didn't limit like the uh, the beautiful cinematography of this film. I mean, this is a director that hasn't lost a beat. Um, the story is emotional, a little a little complex, but, you know, so is a lot of his films, you know. So, of course, you know, you got, you know, a, a, the teenage lead character haunted by his mother's death. That's, um, you know, uh, has to uh, adjust to a strange new world uh, where he's trying to, like, you know, rescue his stepmother. And, you know, then he has to, like, go alongside of a gray heron uh, who's who kind of hates his guts. There's so much more else to this here. Uh, you got uh, dangerous parakeets. Yeah, you, you got you got so much going on here in this world that's so imaginative and just just downright beautiful. Yeah, it, it is definitely a Miyazaki movie at its heart and everything. It's. It starts off with a lot of great imagery, a lot of confusion, and then it slowly starts to unravel itself into what everything is actually going on. And yeah, that's that's one movie that literally just came out beginning of December, too. I told you, man, you're going to see a lot of December films on my list. dude. Okay, okay, that's fair. All right, we're on you now. What are you waiting on? Okay, so I didn't know if you had anything more to say about it. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's really I, I, just just some short words for this one. I, I'll go more in depth with some other ones. Okay, so at the number ten spot for me is uh, the Iron Claw. I, I literally nice. just got a chance to see this one earlier this week, and I I knew that I was gonna fall in love with this one as soon as I saw like the premise and the cast and everything for it, and directed by Sean Durkin and everything like that. You know. This one, it tells the story of the wrestling family, the Von Elricks, which is Mm -hmm. one of the more famous wrestling families, because we have a lot of famous wrestlers, but this is a family of wrestlers, where almost every person in that family was involved in wrestling in some point in their life or another. And it's a tragic story of this family and how wrestling destroyed it more or less with Mm -hmm. one of the lead characters, Kevin, uh, you know, managing to turn his life around from wrestling and everything. And a lot of it comes from the father who really pushed this on their family and kind of wanted his dream to be his family's dream. And, Everybody knocked this one out of the park. You have Zac Efron in the leading role. You have Jeremy Allen White as one of the brothers. You have, you know, Harris Dickinson as one of the other brothers. Like, everybody is just on their A game. And if it wasn't for the fact that I just finished watching season one and two of The Bear, you know, a couple weeks prior to seeing this, I would have said this was Jeremy White's best role, you know, in Mm. anything. And... It, just because his performance in the bear is so good, it's hard to stack up to that one. But this is still like one of his most standout roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I dude, this film is on my list as well, dude. But I gotta say, this is a terrific, terrific uh, acting ensemble here. And it was such a shame that A twenty four released this so late in the game because mm-hmm. I definitely would have thought this had a better chance in award season, especially for uh, Zac Efron. If it had been released a little earlier, because he's so damn good in this. Oh, he's absolutely. Yeah. Zach Efron is one of those actors that when I see him attached to a comedy, I know it's going to be a funny movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He pulls that. But seeing him as a leading man in a drama, because 
that's not the kind of role that I picture him in, but he knocked mm-hmm. it out. Like it was a no brainer casting. He pulled it off 100%. He does. There's no, there's no showy acting in this role. Like mm-hmm. you, you got Zach like literally as, you know, uh, Kevin Von Erich in this film. Like, you know, you, it's like when, when an actor kind of seeks into a role, you don't see him. Like, I don't see Zach in this movie. He, he's mm-hmm. just like so terrific. And I'm gonna give more thoughts on it later, but I think uh, Holt McCallany as Fritz, the father, dude, I, I had him up for like best supporting actor nomination. I felt like he was just so damn good as the like you know domineering father that's mm-hmm. like so so focused on Devon Eric's being great wrestlers that he can't see the forest through the trees. Right. Yeah. It it, it was one of those movies that. I'm glad that I got a chance to see it before I finalized my list and everything like that, because it literally was just days ago that I finally got a chance to see this one in theaters and absolutely recommend anybody to go see it. Dude, there were so many Hail Marys I had to do within this last month. Be like, damn it, I got to move that one down now. Uh, For sure, for sure. Uh, All right, ready to move on? Yep. Okay. My number nine pick here is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Man, this listen, it's been a long time since a Marvel film kind of like affected me emotionally mm-hmm. and kind of like brought like a physical response out of me. And what I mean by that is me just like thunderously clapping in the theater, especially when a villain kind of gets theirs, so to speak. Dude, uh, when I saw this film, right, I wasn't the biggest fan of volume two of Guardians of the Galaxy. But when I went to see this, I said, why not? You know, I want to see the send off mm. of, uh, you know, James Gunn's final final uh, tour so far with the with the MCU. Why not? You know, I, I wouldn't mind uh, reuniting with the Guardians game. And from the first frame, you notice know is a film that's like mostly framed towards uh, Rocket. And, you know, uh, Rocket's past and like how he came to be and everything like that. And I said, OK, Rocket's a good character to kind of like 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 say goodbye on uh, to like mostly focus this on. And so when you go into his backstory, you know, things are going to not end well. But the way things end up not ending well really becomes very heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, the thing about James Gunn, I love about him that he he knows how to turn very deformed, like very like strange characters into like heartwarming figures. Yeah. Cause like when character <laughs> when designs that could be in a horror movie into right. characters you love. Exactly. Like when rocket runs into his friends that are both imprisoned by the high evolutionary, uh, one of the best MCU villains post Thanos, like, you know, he becomes friends with these people, you know, it's not going to end well, but he becomes friends with them. And the way it just all falls down is just so heartbreaking. And you got one of the most satisfying scenes ever with the cutting of the knife on the high evolutionary's face. Like, dude, I was like clapping. It wasn't even the end of the movie. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, cut him, cut him. <laughs> like, you know, I was saying that in the theater. But I love this film, dude. I think it's a it's a great send off to the Guardians. Um, you got some great humor in here. You got some great redemption arcs, especially for Star-Lord uh i liked it man i thought it was a a solid a1 movie oh yeah yeah guardians of galaxy 3 kind of showed that you can make a wonderful trilogy of movies that can be in a connected universe but can still be separated from everything else because while everything else in the mcu is so focused on 
being intertwined with everything else going on in the MCU. All three of the Guardians movies kind of are so focused on their own characters and their own stories that they more or less ignore everything going on everywhere else, which makes it just Mm -hmm. such a fun trilogy that you can watch by itself and not be lost. I totally agree with you. But that uh, was there anything else you had for that one? No, that's it. Okay, so at my number nine slot, I have uh, Oppenheimer, which this one, you know, Christopher Nolan absolutely knocks everything out of the park when it comes to cinematography and everything. And him doing a biopic of sorts on the character of Oppenheimer, who created the backbone behind the nuclear weapons that were used in World War Two. This movie brings tension to a perfect level when it comes to all the scenes and for everything of just people talking about how they're going to accomplish this goal and all the themes of like, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. What are we doing? And everything like that. It's just so well done. And you have, you know, Cillian Murphy as the star of, as Oppenheimer, it absolutely knocks this one out of the park and kind of brings you into this world so well Mm -hmm. yeah dude uh wonderful film that's also on my list it's it's a lot way higher on my list but uh dude everything you said plus um see this was a film that when i went to go see it with my wife you know we were kind of waiting for it to start Mm -hmm. and uh she was like uh how long is this gonna be i said it's like three hours (laughs) she says this is about the guy that made the atomic bomb right she says i said yeah she says how you going to turn that into three hours? This is going to be boring. I said, no, no, it's not. It's Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan. It's not going to be boring. Right. She's like, you know, I was like, this guy made the dark night. It's not going to be boring. And uh, sure enough, when we left the theater, she was like, that was a very good movie. I said, I told you. Yeah. Like that, that told you, you know, dude, Killian Murphy, man. Um, obviously, he's he's one of the leading men for for best actor uh, at this, uh, this award season here. But uh, this is the perfect role for him. A man that's been known to play enigmatic roles and uh, throughout his career. This was the perfect kind of like lead up to him and Chris Nolan, like going all the way back to Batman Begins when he was the scarecrow, Inception when he was the guy whose mind they entered. It's the perfect kind of meetup for them, dude. And I got more to say about this, but just terrific acting ensemble here. No actor was weak in this movie. Oh, no, not at all. You know, you even have like the surprise edition of Robert Downey Jr. in this movie. That was something that I didn't even know was going to happen until it started happening. And to put it this way, for a surprise actor at Robert Downey Jr.'s level to just show up in a Christopher Nolan movie and actually be one of the primary people in the movie that is insane that that would just completely manage to fly under the radar in that kind that of just like level. I think that was just for you, man. A lot of people knew RDJ was going to be in the movie. Like See, I, I have like no idea just, how I missed it. <laughs> I think it was just under your radar, dude. Like when people would talk about the movie, they'd be like, oh, man, I can't wait to see Robert Downey Jr. in it, too. Like yeah. <laughs> When you told me I didn't know he was in this movie, Anthony, I was like. Dude, that was like heavily advertised. Yeah, it was not in any of the trailers that I saw. But at the same time, I don't really after the first trailer to get an idea of like, will I see this? I usually stop watching after that. But I normally hear about stuff. (laughs) 
His name is on the poster. <laughs> I didn't think his name was on the poster. I'm probably wrong, though. I'll, I'll admit, I'm probably wrong on that one. <laughs> I look. I, I listen. It's Killian's name, Emily's name, Matt's name, his name, and Florence Pugh's name. Like, okay. He, he, all right. We'll, we'll just chalk it up that you just didn't know. You, right. you just didn't pay attention. I, I completely got blindsided by that. But yeah, at the same time, though, th- this one was a movie event because on top of that, you had the Barbie movie coming out right at the same time. So the fact that you had Oppenheimer and Barbie come out is like one of those movie theater moments of that back to back double feature. Oh, yeah, we, we got to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is just one of the things that will make this movie even more memorable to me is being like, oh, yeah, I remember that, you know, World War Two, you know, nuclear movie. The one that came out the same time as the Barbie movie, right? <laughs> mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was a great moment in cinema, man. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, especially for, to bring people back to theaters. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it, what better way than a Christopher Nolan movie to pull everybody back in when theaters are said to be dying absolutely yeah i i loved it man uh ready to move on i am ready to move on okay my number eight on this list here is uh you know one of the grandfathers of uh contemporary cinema himself martin scorsese's killers of the flower moon dude this was a film uh again very anticipated by me you know we got leo and de niro in the film together which hasn't been done for like i don't know like two decades mm-hmm. like i think the last movie they were in leo was a kid i called this boy's life i think that was the last movie and uh we got the 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 wonderful lily gladstone in um, her first leading role in the film as well so basically if you know the story about this film it's um it's about um the osage people in the 1920s like you know when they uh they they, they struck gold with oil you know they they're very rich like you know living on a uh, oiled oil filled land um they're murdered off one by one until the FBI comes in to kind of unravel what happened Scorsese presents the uh story a little differently showing it as it happened up until the point where the FBI you know intercedes and you know um people are jailed and verdicts are given but you really see things through the eyes of Lily uh Lily Gladstone's character and Dude, she she's so terrific in this. Obviously, she's in the best actress running alongside Emma Stone and many others. But she um, she holds her own against Leo and uh, De Niro very well, especially against Leo, being that her and Leo are love interests throughout the movie. And dude, terrific role on her part. Uh, one of Leo's best roles. The 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 go. <laughs> the running joke is that this is the one role that happened to make Leo so uncharming. Like, 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 like kind of make him look a little bummy because his character is um, an idiot. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's he, he portrays the idiotic role with, of course, gravitas and, um, you know, uh, death. And yeah, dude, again, another three hour movie that um, it, it did have a slow moments, but it went by pretty good. It had a nice slow pace. It's Martin Scorsese, very level focus from a directing standpoint. Great script. And uh, yeah, dude, I, I, I love this movie. Yeah, this is actually one that I have not had a chance to see yet, because when it came out in theaters, I just couldn't catch a time for it and everything. And I don't think it's come out on Blu-ray and DVD yet, or at the very least, I don't think I've seen it anywhere. It is on streaming. It is on streaming. Okay. 
So yeah, yeah it, it is on my list that I got to check out. But yeah, this is the first on the list that I have not actually caught. I, I would recommend it, man. I, I feel oh, like yeah. you would like it. I, I feel like you would like this movie. Yeah, it's one of those movies that when it was being advertised and I saw trailers and stuff for it, it was like, I'm all in on it. I love the premise. I love everybody involved. So it just didn't fall into a good time slot for me to be able to catch it in theaters, especially because of that three hour runtime. Understood. Understood. I got you. All right. But that uh, brings me to my number eight choice, which is uh, Blackberry. The movie directed by Matt Johnson and starring, uh, I'm trying to remember his name here, Glenn Howard Glenn Harrelton. as yep. a CEO that is trying to bring the BlackBerry phone to the masses and everything, along with Jay Barshell as Mike, who is one of the engineers working on the BlackBerry. And this one is one of those stories that I... I remember BlackBerry. I remember following this story as I was like growing up and everything like that, where BlackBerry completely fell off as the iPhone came up. So Mm -hmm. seeing like a kind of drama of the entire story behind it, it's something that I understood, like all the language of like all the problems that they were having. And I remembered these things like back when you were selling minutes as a phone company, you know, it's one of those weird things of being like, oh, yeah. We used to buy time in order to talk on the phone. You know, a text message mm, used to cost I remember 10 that. cents. <laughs> yeah, that was a strange time. Yeah. So this entire, you know, drama following the entire course of events, and it got even more crazy than I realized as well. And got me looking into, like, how much of this is true. And it's like, it's 99% accurate on everything. There, There's some parts that are kind of umped amped up a little bit for Hollywood's mm. sake. But for the of most course. part, everything in this was like factually correct on how they were going about it. And it's it's probably one of Glenn Howerton's best roles so far and mm. shows that he really can do something outside of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, of course. I've always looked at him as someone that was, um, you know, uh, he, he, he excels in comedy, of course, but mm-hmm. he's always been an actor to me on that show that'd be like, you know what? This guy could excel at drama. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy could really excel in a different type of role. You've always saw that in Glenn. And uh, man, does he kill it as a Jim uh, Balsilli, or or I'll just say Jim. Um, dude, there's, there's moments where Jay Baruchel's, um character, Mike, uh, says things to him and he just gives him a look like, uh, okay, uh, so he in one scene he he said he asked him like what's going on why are people celebrating hey okay hey, yeah have you ever played the game Wolfenstein yeah and the way Glenn Howerton just stares at him like <laughs> bro you know damn well I never played a game like that like I just love his his line deliveries in this movie oh yeah even like the opening like there is a lot of comedy aspects with this but it's mm-hmm. not with jokes it's with the acting itself where him coming into the office at the beginning. And them being like, well, you have to build your desk. Yeah, I'm not doing that. You know, uh, put me on with so-and-so. Who are you talking to? Like, who are are you talking to us? You know, like the reception. We, we don't got that here. Oh, my God. <laughs> and just the look on his face of like the, I can't believe what I just walked into <laughs> on this. I mean, it really proves that he can um, 
it, it proves he has range, which, you know, mm-hmm. we, we already knew, but it's the role, that, it's the proof in the pudding that shows that. Right. And I definitely want to see more from Glenn in that role. But uh, another scene I got to add is like when um, he, he's trying to buy the hockey team and, and it fails. And, you know, they, they they tell him in the room, the board meeting goes, uh, you, you just don't have the right character for us, man. You're you're very braggadocious and you're just not right for us. And he just goes into this like profanity lanced rant that I'm like, dude. That oh, was yeah. just delivered so perfectly. And everyone's just staring at him like, what is this guy's problem? Right. Yeah, everything about it is fantastic. The story is great. It, it keeps everything flowing so well because, yeah, it is literally a drama about a company that failed. And mm-hmm. it, to that point, it's not exactly a the most ambitious or thrilling story. But at the same time, the way that the movie presents all the information, it presents it in such an interesting way. And with the acting on top of it, it it came off as such a fantastic movie. It, this was one of the ones that I wasn't sure how it was going to be. But after watching it, I was like, it, it it was a dead ringer to make my list for the top 10. Where it would fall, it I didn't know yet, but I knew that it would be very hard pressed to not make it on the list. Hmm. I got you. I got you. All right. Awesome. Um, all right. You you all set to move on? Yep. Okay. All right. Going to number seven here. I have American Fiction. This is a film that it, until it came out um, towards the, the latter half of this year, I didn't really know much about it. All I knew is that um, it had a lead actor that I love, Jeffrey Wright. And uh, had Sterling K. Brown in as well. But I didn't know much about the film. And uh, when I watched it, man, dude, this is one of the best satires I've ever seen. So American Fiction is about a man. Um, you know, it's about a, about a man named uh, Thelonious Monk. He's a, a African-American author who's frustrated because his films, I mean, his, his books aren't selling the way they should. And uh, he notices um, a, a book that's been selling lately that's, um, you know, written with stereotypical African-American characters. It's the number one of the um, whatever best-selling list. And uh, it's being listed as powerful and giving a voice to unrepresented, you know, um, you know, characters of color. And what he taught, what he chooses to do uh, initially as a joke is uh, write the most stereotypical black book he can, or what's considered a black book. And um, agents are like, you know, like, like tripping over each other to actually buy it. So now he has to like go on with the bit of like writing this novel anonymously because he doesn't want people to know that it's him uh, because they would they wouldn't he he doesn't want people to know it's him because he's embarrassed by this work that he's wrote that's actually getting like um, acclaim. So uh, he has to like follow up with this. And it's just it's just a great movie, a great satire. Uh, Court Jefferson, this is his directorial debut. He um, he comes from like the writing staff of a. the Damon Lindelof Watchmen series. And his script is just so, you know, whip smart. Uh, Jeffrey Wright kills it in the lead role. Uh, he he balances comedy and drama effortlessly. Sterling K. Brown is terrific as his brother. And great cast, man. I, I don't know if you've heard of this film here, but it, it definitely is like a great film. Yeah, I, I had heard of it and I saw it on a couple list of like movies you have to see from 2023. It just didn't hit my radar at all for something to pick up and watch and everything, especially at the end of the year where it's so packed with so much to watch. 
And that sucks so hard because this is a film that I feel like a lot of people should see. Oh but, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, I, I would implore you whenever you get a chance to check this out. Oh yeah. That brings up to my number seven slot, uh, Renfeld, which the action horror movie starring Nicolas Cage as a vampire, uh, Count Dracula. We also have, uh, the, what was it? Nicholas Holt as Renfeld, his I'm trying to remember what it's called, but his uh, his servant, more or less, of all his whims. And this movie is such a gory, fun action movie that has you laughing throughout, at least for me. I mm-hmm. absolutely love this movie top down throughout the entire runtime. And every single moment got a laugh from me, whether it was because of the theme, because of Nicolas Cage as Dracula, or, you know, everything that's going on with Renfeld trying to bring his life together after coming to terms with all the terrible things he's done for Dracula. And there's so much about this movie that I love as a comedy that it's right up my alley for everything, top to bottom, of like, hey, if we're going to make a movie for Brad this year, Renfield was that movie. You know, (laughs) Uh, last year was Al the Yankovic story where it was like, no, 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 we're we're making this movie for Brad. This is just going to hit all the things that he likes in a movie. And that's what we're making. Renfield was 100% that movie for me this year. You you had a dream about a movie that would be your perfect film. It went over to Robert Kirkman. He said, man, I had a weird dream from this guy <laughs> that told me in my dreams, dude, make a movie like this and pitch it to Universal Studios. Right. And then I just went to Universal Studios and I pitched the movie and it became a hit. Right. Yeah. This is literally like my kind of like, you don't know what you want until you have it kind of movie. But as right, soon as right. it was kind of, they announced like, oh, yeah, we're going to have, you know, something that's like what we do in the shadows, but we're going to have Nicolas Cage play Dracula. OK, I'm on board. It's going to be mm-hmm. a horror comedy. I'm in 100 percent. I love it. And it knocked everything for my expectations out of the water to the point that I- I've seen this movie three times now, even though it just mm-hmm. came out this year. Because every time somebody was like, hey, it, there was that new Nick Cage movie. I was like, Renfeld? Yeah, we can watch it right now. <laughs> wow, really? Um, yeah, man, I love Nicolas Cage in this film. I think he's the perfect Dracula. I love uh, Nicholas Holt. I feel like he does great as Renfeld. And they have great scenes together. And it's oh, yeah. really like a codependent relationship. And uh, it's really a toxic codependent relationship, and I like the way it's written. Um, their scenes together, and I think Aquafina is great comedic effect as well. Oh yeah, it, she is in a lot of stuff recently and everything. And this was mm-hmm. one of the movies that you know I think she pulled off perfectly as a counter for Renfeld playing the police officer. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She really was good in this. Yeah, absolutely, man. I totally agree with you. Uh, good, uh, great, funny movie for sure. It brings us to uh, my number six pick here, which I was surprised that I added this to the list. But uh, the color purple. Now, listen, you know I'm a huge fan of musicals, right? Oh yeah, it, it's mean, your it's favorite just, genre. Just, exactly, it's just it's just my favorite genre, right? Uh, yeah, man. When I uh, found out this was uh, gonna be a musical, 
So listen, The Color Purple, the original Steven Spielberg film, uh, is one of my favorite movies, if you don't know. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, I still got to read the novel that it's based off. But when I found out they were remaking the movie and it's going to be based off the uh, the stage musical, uh, which is based off the Alice Walker novel, I said, okay, number one red flag, they're singing. <laughs> uh, number two red flag, they're remaking a classic. Uh, but I, I don't see a third red flag because we got some great talent here. So I'll just give it a shot. And man, oh man, was I surprised. I mean, this was a terrific film, dude. I mean, w- one, there's great musical numbers, but the acting. Uh, Fantasia, uh, uh, I'm going to make sure I got her name right. Because uh, I know, I just know her as Fantasia. But uh, Fantasia Barino, if you know her, I feel like she's um she was the first winner of American Idol, right? Oh, she was I, the third winner. I'm sorry. She was in the early days, but I couldn't remember which one. Right. She she won the third season. Um, yeah, we she's we've known her a long time as a winner of American Idol, terrific singer, everything like that. But she really uh does a great job in the lead role of uh Seely. But um the one who really takes the cake, Taraji P. Henson is great as Suge, but the one who takes the cake is Danielle Brooks as Sophia. Uh the role which was originally uh uh done by Oprah Winfrey in the um original film. Man, Daniel Brooks is so damn good in this. Uh, it definitely puts her in the running for Best Supporting Actress. She's so good. The directing is is great. The music is great. Overall, I just had a great time watching this, man. I really thought they were going to mess it up because I love the original film so much. I, I, I walked into this on kind of like tippy toes, like I, I'll give it a shot. But it was a good movie, man. Great cast, great singing. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. See, I'm kind of surprised that you even gave it a shot knowing that it was a musical. Uh, you know, because you love them so much, you know. I, right. I, I don't know if you could take it if they ruined a musical version of this movie. Right, right. But yeah, man, I I liked it. I liked it. Okay. Yeah, this is one of the ones that it was kind of on my list to check out and everything, but mm. just with everything else coming out because this just came out like last week or so Christmas day. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those ones that it's, it's a tight one to fit in for this time of the year. It left an impression on me, man. I didn't expect to like it that much either, but I did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is one that uh, I'll definitely check out when it hits streaming or something, but Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, anything else that you had to say about it? I'm all good, man. Okay. So that brings me to my number six choice, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And nice. It, this one, as you said earlier, this is the closing out of the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy. It has everybody that we love in it, it all the fantastic actors and everything. Such a focus on Rocket that makes this such an emotional movie where you know exactly what's going to happen and what's coming, but it doesn't stop the gut punch when it actually happens. Mm -hmm. And it's very rare for a movie to be able to be like, hey, look, you know that this is going to happen. It's going to be sad. And for it to still catch you off guard when it happens and be 10 times worse than you could have ever imagined. And it's... 
it's one of the things it's james gunn's last chance at a marvel movie and i think he knocked it out of the park you know guardians of the galaxy is one of my favorites of the marvel cinematic universe Mm -hmm. and it's one of those trilogies that i think it holds up as i said before as one of like the best trilogies that we've gotten from the mcu Mm. okay okay i hear you i hear you yeah, uh, dude, I loved it, man. He he swung for the fences, and he didn't miss. It, mm-hmm. it was a it was a wonderful, funny, uh, you know, emotional uh, final ride. Yeah, yeah, it, it's one of those movies that it it's a shame that we won't get to see anything more from James Gunn for Marvel. But I, I'm very excited to see what he does with DC in the future. Oh yeah, I'm I'm not cynical about his his new Superman movie. I'm like, dude. He's 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 gonna he's gonna stick to landing. It's yeah. gonna be all right. It, at um, the very least, it's gonna be a good movie. It might not be the best, yeah. but at the very least, it's gonna be good. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, that takes me to my number five film, dude. Just uh, just a wild, imaginative, horny masterpiece. Poor things. I mean, dude, I, there's so much more I can say about this film, uh, but I'm, I'm going to keep it light and tight. I wrote a review on 8bitwaffles.com for the audience if you want to take a look at it. But, dude, I mean, this is just such a great imaginative film. Like, you know, when you look at the director, uh, Yorgos uh, Lanthimos, who's known for making very odd films, The Lobster, The Favorite. Uh, when you give a guy like this a, a large budget, you come out with something weird like this. So this is pretty much um, a film that follows uh, Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone, uh, her best performance of her career. I I stand on that. This is her best performance. Uh, a woman who was, uh, you know, Frankenstein-like, resurrected by a mad scientist, played by William Defoe, who, um, you know, runs off with a uh, <laughs> uh, an oath, played by Mark Ruffalo, and uh, kind of like embarks on an odyssey of like self-discovery, sexual liberation and just experiencing the human condition uh for the first time you got you got great talent here man you got mark ruffalo rami youssef christopher abbott gerard carmichael Catherine hunter i can go on and on but you're really watching this like to, to see emma stone's performance of a woman that's really experiencing life for the first time dude mm-hmm. like um it's her career best performance man you know, just the way she kind of like when you first see Bella and she's learning how to walk, learning how to talk, uh, and then she's kind of growing into her own, you know, discovering sex for the first time, discovering love, hate, cruelty, uh, whimsical fun, eating, everything for the first time you're experiencing this and you're experiencing it in a very quirky way. It's wonderful, man. Uh, it's not for everybody because it is an explicit movie, but it's a great dark comedy drama i don't know what i would describe this it's just a weird movie um i i would recommend it for anyone that's willing to get into like some surreal stuff and uh it gets kind of spins its wheels a a bit in the third act but overall i just think this is a wonderfully imaginative film and i'm just looking forward to more your ghost and emma stone collaborations here man yeah this is one that is on my list to see and i it'd be it came between this and the Iron Claw when I was mm-hmm. kind of booking something to go see a couple days ago. And the Iron Claw just ended up being like, no, I, I really need to see that one. And you didn't make a bad choice. Right. 
But yeah, I, I still really want to see this one. I'm hoping that I can catch it in theaters before it leaves, but we'll see how that goes. But yeah, th- this is one that I've heard so many great things about, and it's probably the number one on my list for movies that I need to catch before they leave theaters right now. Yeah. Let me tell you this, man. If, if you somewhat enjoyed Bo is Afraid for what it is, then you'll mm-hmm. you'll love Poor Things. I mean, they're two of the most weirdest films of this year, but Poor yeah. Things has like, you know, just great cinematography with it as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, anything more that you need to add on that one? Hey, see this movie, man. That's all I got to say. I, I plan to. It, it. This is one of the ones where I was like looking at showings today and being like, can I make a three o'clock showing? Oh, that's cutting it close for getting it home in time to. <laughs> so you'll see it. You'll see it. Oh yeah. I, I, this is one that I definitely will catch, uh, whether most likely while it's still in theaters as well. <laughs> gotcha. But that brings me to my number five choice, the holdovers, uh, starring mm. Paul Giamatti as a disgruntled teacher that is told he has to stay over Christmas break and make sure that kids that do not get the chance to go home for Christmas are taken care of. It is one of the most heartwarming stories that I've seen Paul Giamatti in where I always think Mm. of him as like a comedy actor, the same as like Zac Efron. It's like, Oh yeah. Mm. Where if I think like, Oh yeah. Paul Giamatti's in this. It's like, okay, that's going to be a funny movie and everything. This one, he is absolutely perfectly fit for this one. And for, I don't know, you've seen this movie, correct? Yes, sir. So while I was watching this movie, the the entire time, because one of the main things of the character is his glass eye. Right, right, right. And it's so distracting of going like, does, does Paul Giamatti like... Did, did something happen to his eye? Because I didn't realize that was a character trait for the character in the movie at first. <laughs> no, no, it, it's, it's, yeah, of course it's a prosthetic. Yeah, it's, it's a prosthetic, but it's done so well that it makes you literally go, hold on, that, that looks real. And the way that he acts with like turning his head and everything like that is like, yeah, it's like he can't see out of that eye. It, it's perfectly mm. like acted in that way. But this movie just has so much heart for being a movie about characters that just hate the situation they're in or are angry at each other because mm-hmm. of the situation that they're in. It yeah. comes down so beautifully that it's like it, it tugs at your heartstrings constantly. Yeah. And it's very rare for a movie to be able to pull that throughout an entire, you know, two hour run of just constantly tugging at your heartstrings before you're just like, you can stop. You can stop anytime you want. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw this film, man, uh, ironically, I saw it around the holidays of Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Uh, Perfect time to watch it, even though it's Christmas themed. And I was like, um, you know, I was like, okay. That was a pretty solid movie. Like it's it's a solid holiday film about, you know, three unlikely people that you would expect to be together around the holidays being together. And you know, mm-hmm. you you got a nice um acting ensemble here. You got Paul Giamatti who I I have thought of him as a dramatic actor, especially after watching a show like Billions. Uh nails it in the in the leading oh, role. Yeah. You know, he's we got him as like a contender for best actor this year and um with his like career 
span of of his work you know it's well well deserved uh divine joy randolph is terrific you know she's uh in the running for best supporting actress and dominic sessa with this being like a breakthrough for him you know we have him in the role and you know these three actors right here do a great job you know great chemistry with each other and um yeah, man, I, I think it's a very solid movie. I wasn't in love with it like most people were, but I feel like it was a it's it's a great time when you're watching it. Like it's a it's mm-hmm. a great it's a great time um when you're when you're giving it a chance. Yeah. It, for being more or less a bottled up movie just with a focus mm-hmm. on these three characters, it, it does so well with those three characters that you forget that this movie just has three people for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and everyone meshes well here, and uh, you care about each of the characters. You mm-hmm. know, there, there isn't like you got a character here that you just don't care about. They, you you want to see where these characters end up towards the end of this film, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, yeah, I, I I felt like that's a very enjoyable film when I watched it for sure. And uh, I'm gonna head over to my number four here, and uh, I have the Iron Claw. Now, initially, when I had heard about the story of the uh, the Von Erichs, uh, I knew it was like a dark side of wrestling episode centered around it. Mm-hmm. When I heard of the film coming out, I said, OK, I'm not going to watch that episode until after I watch the movie so I can be kind of like surprised on like what happens. And, dude, I expected just a rise and fall type of movie. And even though that's what I got, dude, it's the writing and directing of this movie that works so well. The acting works so well as you're spanning time. Like you, you fall in love with these brothers. You fall in love with this family. Like even in the beginning, the father is a dick, but not too much of a dick. Where he's he says to his one son that doesn't wrestle that much, that's into more like music and stuff. He says, "Listen, the order of how I love you boys is this: this guy, this guy, and that guy. But that's subject to change." <laughs> I love how he says that to him. Like that's subject to change. And like I feel like I grew up with this father. You know, he he's a dick, but I like you. You feel like you grow up with that kind of guy as your mm-hmm. dad. Um, yeah, dude, the, towards the end, and I'm not going to ruin anything for people who haven't seen it, but that that moment in the afterlife, oh, that was so sad and like so that really tugged at my heart. Yeah. And the moment with Zach Efron and his two boys, I'm like, dude, this film is just so wonderful. It's sad. It's very sad, but it's a wonderful film that just, like, just, just spans, just, um, a rise and fall of a family, dude. It's it's an American dynasty type of film. And I just thought it was just just perfection. Yeah. Yeah. For anybody that's a fan of wrestling, the story of the Von Erichs is or Von Erichs is nothing new. Uh, basically, anybody that was watching wrestling during that time is aware of that family, but they mm-hmm. might not be aware of just how bad things got within that family. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it it. It's one of the things that, like, even I knew of their story because I know a lot of people that love wrestling. So I had heard, like, through, you know, chatter and stuff of, like, oh, yeah, and then you had the Von Erics who are, you know, just travesty of a family through wrestling and all this other stuff. And, yeah, it absolutely fantastically acted, written, directed, everything about that movie. It Yeah, it, there's a reason that it made it onto my list as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. I'm all set with that. You ready to go on? Okay. That brings me to my number four pick. 
a uh, a nice little action movie that uh, spanned about two and a half hours uh, called John Wick Chapter Four, and mm. man, this is probably I, we talked about this one previously in the year when it came out, but come on, man, come this on. movie is going to be like one of the best action movies that I can recall in a long time, and it's going to have that place for. I don't even know if anything can top it at this point because this is special. It's special. It's not only the closeout of the John Wick series, but it, well, we'll see. But at the same time, it has so many great action scenes and so many ways of presenting those action scenes that it kept tensions high. It managed to make everything make sense as it flowed throughout and yeah, there's so much to love about this movie as a, I want to watch an action movie and it's 100% what you get from beginning to end. Let me tell you something. I, I got more to say about this because this, this is a little higher on my list. Um, but you know, my wife very, very rarely sees me show out in the theater as this film went on. I became a kid in a candy store, dude. Mm-hmm. Like um, I put this film on the same level as like, you know, Mad Max Fury road. Um, you know, just, just like that terrific uh, sequel that just like you know just 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 changes everything that came before it and just just goes out with a high bang mm-hmm. um oh the aerial tracking shot the oh. fall down the stairs the I, the dude. aerial tracking shot that was a single shot it, it's not Come even on, like man. an aerial tracking shot Come on it's a one shot and yeah this is the kind of action movie that after you get out of it you're like i'm going to punch a hole in the wall this is amazing i feel like so pumped Dude, I, I so many great scenes. I'm, I'm gonna get more into it. I'm because I got a lot to say. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, dude, just terrific film, man. I mean, if this is the end of the John Wick uh, chapter, then just what a great high note to end on. Oh yeah, uh, terrific film, man. I yeah, terrific. Yeah, they took everything from the first first three movies and were like, let's just do a best of compilation in the best way possible. And I'm gonna be real with you. Go ahead. Yeah, go on. I, I forgot what happened in the first three movies after I saw this. <laughs> like I, I that's how impactful it was to me. I was like, wait, what what's Parabellum? I was like, yeah. dog, I forgot everything after I saw this movie because it literally changes every it changes the game. Yeah. It, it, when it comes to action movies, it, this is going to be the movie that when somebody's like, oh, yeah, it's an insane action movie. Yeah. But is it like John Wick Chapter four or what are we talking here? <laughs> Every action movie that came out this year, I said I asked one question. Is it John Wick Chapter four level? And people had to be honest with me and say, I mean, I mean, no, but I'm like, all right, <laughs> then you're 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 wasting my time. That, then you already lost. I, I don't need to see it. <laughs> right, right. All right, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, do you got anything else to add there? Nothing else. This is, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more on it since you said it's a little bit higher on your list, but. Oh, yeah, I got I got some things to get into. But all right, I'm going to go on to my number three choice here, which is uh, The Blackening. Uh, man, this was a film that um, I was I was looking forward to because, you know, I, I missed the satire films of the 2000s where you had the scary movie one and two when the Wayne brothers were involved with it, you know, I, I missed not satire, but what would you call it? Uh, uh, not, not camp, but, um, man, I forgot what you would call it, but I like the film parodies. 
I love I love those parodies. Now the blackening is a little different. The blackening is a is a, a original story about um you know um, a group of um you know African American friends that reunite for a Juneteenth weekend getaway in a remote cabin, just to discover that they're being terrorized by a, a twisted killer. Now. The running joke of the film is that, you know, every time you got a, a black audience member that's watching a horror film, you, you, they go like, dude, I wouldn't do that. Like, I, I wouldn't do that. O- only white people would do that in a horror film. I, a black person wouldn't do that. Or, you know, we die first. Now, the funny thing about the blackening is um, the, the the tagline of the movie is, well, we're all black. We all can't die first. So, like, the main twist of the movie is who's going to die first? And uh, it's just a, it's just a terrific, hilarious movie, man. I, I remember when I told you I saw it, I recommended it. And, uh, dude, I just had a terrific, fun time with this. Every joke hit. My wife and I were dying laughing. And uh, I recommend it. I loved it. Oh, yeah. I remember when you were telling me about it and everything like that. It's like, OK, you're selling me on it. It's it sounds like it's going to be one of those top kind of like just comedy horror movies that's taking a stab at every trope in the book absolutely and it does and it does it very well it's a very smart funny script i i highly recommend it okay okay uh anything else that you want to add for that one no that's it for me okay uh yeah sadly i haven't gotten a chance to catch that one yet it's one of those movies that because that came out fairly early into the year didn't it uh yeah 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 so yeah it's one of those ones that kind of fell off my radar after it came out of theaters but i definitely need to check it out absolutely that uh i'll uh go ahead with my number three pick for 2023 which when we get a movie like this it it either hits or it doesn't and this Uh one was one of the best hits that I've seen from this genre for a while. And that's Godzilla minus one. It's Mm. when we get a kaiju movie, I'm already as hyped and amped up to see it as possible because I love kaiju movies. And Godzilla is a staple kaiju that is all over the place. But very rarely do we get a kaiju movie where the time that the kaiju isn't on screen, you don't mind. And Godzilla Mm. minus one pulls that off flawlessly that whenever Godzilla isn't on screen, there's not a question of when are we going to get back to Godzilla? Because the human characters that we're following in this story are so relatable and so real that Godzilla is a secondary point in this movie. That is a trouble that they had to deal with. And I absolutely love that. It pulls off everything that I want from a Godzilla movie so flawlessly that when they start talking of like, oh, yeah, there might be a sequel on this. I am just going there better be if there we don't get a sequel. I'm rioting. You know, I'm going to be in Japan yeah. and I'm going to be knocking on doors going, why? Why are not we getting a sequel? <laughs> you know, this film here, um, this was my introduction to like an original like uh, Japan produced Godzilla uh, film. Toho my, production. Toho production, excuse yep. me. This was my int- uh, introduction to a Toho produced Godzilla film because my only introduction was the American Hollywood not Hollywoodized Godzilla. You know, there was the 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 Matthew Broderick one from the 90s, which is horrible, but I still love, 
you know, because I, I grew up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the Gareth Edwards Godzilla films and, you know, the, the sequels that came after that. And um, yeah, I had, I had only known those. So when I watched this, I said, hey, you know, this is where it all started. Let me give it a chance. And dude, I loved it, man. But the reason I loved it is because I cared about the human drama. Yeah. When I would watch the Hollywood Godzilla films, I didn't care about the humans that much. I said, okay, let's rush through this and get back to the monster because I don't care about you people. In this film, I cared about the characters. There was like regret, redemption, terrific themes with these characters that I wanted to see where they ended up. And it came to the point where when Godzilla showed up, I'm like, God, okay, all right, bring him in so I can see what happens with these characters. Right. It was the reverse. <laughs> I was like, all right, let's bring him on and then, now let's see what happens with this guy. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's the thought of like, oh yeah, Godzilla's in this movie too, isn't he? <laughs> right. I love that, man. It, it just, it, it was a terrific story. I, I agree with you. It was a great movie. Yeah. I, I'm definitely going to see if I can uh, get some Godzilla movies on our double feature episodes in this coming year, because now that you're more open to seeing some Toho productions, we're, we're going to jump, you know, I'm, I'm going to make you dive into the pool. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely got me intrigued, man, because um, somebody had told me, like, oh, man, this represents the best of Toho produced Godzilla movies. And uh, if they are like this movie here, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll give them a watch. Yeah. Yeah, I will say that there's been the recent Toho movies have definitely upped the ante. Uh, There's definitely a lot of more craziness in the early ones. And those are the ones that you probably think that you've seen, you know. Uh, gifts and everything of like Godzilla sliding across the planet on his tail in order to double kick somebody, <laughs> you know, that that's early Toho. There's, there's a special like love that you have for those. And, but I got you in recent years, they've been knocking them out of the park and minus one is just, it's such a perfect movie in that vein that, literally watching it is one of those movies that ends and it's like no notes i just want more you know i have nothing to add i just want more of this movie (laughs) it was wonderful yeah it was a wonderful movie i i agree with you here um which yeah i i agree with you so moving on to my number two here listen uh i got oppenheimer as my number two so looking at this, man, I, I, I got to tell you, so kind of like expanding on what you said, dude, when I sat down for this movie and I told my wife, listen, it's a Chris Nolan film. It's not going to be boring. When, I, when, when you got the, uh, the fire raining down and you got the quote, Prometheus stole fire from the gods and gave it to man. For this, he was chained to a rock and tortured for eternity. And you hear like this big thumping and thumping and thumping. And then I, I said, dude, this is going to be special. Mm-hmm. This is something special. Like, like it feels like Christopher Nolan was born to make this movie. He 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 has a great imagination. Has given us great blockbuster thrillers, great intelligent blockbuster thrillers. But I feel like making a film about the man that that literally made a um like a, a weapon for like like epic destruction and like the personal emotional toll it takes on him too. This is a film Chris Nolan was born for. I mean, it's just it's just it's just up his alley. And the writing, the directing, the pacing from like, um, so you got black and white part of the movie, which is like object, like objectively what happened. Then you have the color side of the movie, which is more kind of subjective. You know, you can tell this is more so like Christopher Nolan kind of instilling his imagination on what happened in these moments here. 
uh, even though they happen, it's more so in- injecting what he thinks happened in these moments. So you got these combined together and it's just like a, a great, it's just a great film, dude. It's a great journey of a, uh, I guess I say a difficult man, a man that had hubris for sure, mm-hmm. um, that created something that, you know, took a toll on his soul. And you got another story of a man that uh, who's his whole career just felt, um, you know, disrespected and and um, shaded by this man. And uh, I, I would give Robert Downey Jr. as as well as some other characters uh, in some other films, the hater of the year award, because <laughs> how much he hated Oppenheimer, his character uh, it, it's great, man. And uh, yeah, dude, just a terrific cinematic experience. Uh, my second best cinematic experience uh, of this year, which we'll get into one later. But uh, yeah, dude, terrific film. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really don't have much more to add to it because I said everything earlier since this one was at my number nine slot. And yeah, everything about this movie comes together in Christopher Nolan, his writing and the way that he directs this movie. It it shouldn't be as thrilling of a movie as it is of literally just being people talking about how they made a bomb. That's it. Mm -hmm. But still somehow the way that the soundtrack works and everything comes together, like the fact they have like a Geiger counter, you know, is a background, like a white noise for this movie constantly Mm -hmm. is such a choice that it's like, I, it works so well. Like you would think eventually it gets to like being a humming sound that you absolutely hate, but no, in this movie, it it takes it and it just, it constantly is that reminder of they are playing God here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, man, I, I, I completely agree with you there. I, I, uh, yeah, I love the sound design in this film. You know, Nolan excels in that sometimes to the point where you can't hear dialogue, I didn't have a dialogue problem here. I heard every single word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw this one in Dolby and I did not hear any of the issues that people had with like dialogue and certain scenes and everything. I didn't have that issue. So I'm wondering if that's more of a going to a low budget kind of theater experience versus going to like an IMAX or a Dolby where this movie was made for IMAX. I'd say he kind of had that problem in Tenet. And I and I saw that in a pretty good theater. But I, the main thing is, this movie's clean. Mm-hmm. It's clean, right? Yeah. But uh, that brings me to my number two choice. And I will say, when it comes to a movie, it, if kaiju movies are one of the staples of everything that I love, it, one mm. thing that I also have such a love for as memories as a kid and everything is Spider-Man and across the Spider-Verse took everything I love about Spider-Man and brought it on screen in a way that I was giddy smiling throughout the entire movie experience. You know, this was one of those movies that I was so excited to see that when I was out in France at the time, I found a showing that was playing in English with French subtitles and went to that theater in order to see this movie during its opening weekend still. And absolutely loved it, 100%. And then came back to the States and went and saw it again in Dolby, you know, just because it was like, well, I need to see it again. But mm. everything from the characters to the art style to the jokes to 
just the subtle hmm. jokes with everything Spider-Man, like as somebody that has grown up watching every Spider-Man animated series, every movie that's come out, every game and everything around it, like reading the comics and everything. It, it When there is a movie that just encapsulates an entire genre of a character that you love and puts it on screen to the point that you're just grinning ear to ear throughout. For me, that was Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Mm. Yeah, I, um, yeah, man, I, 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 uh, I really liked this movie. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I told you I had some qualms with the ending because mm-hmm. I really felt like that was, I, I, I don't want to say a cheap shot, but I felt like I felt like when people saw uh, the Matrix Reloaded and the way that ended, and people were like, "Oh, okay," like you know, like it was just kind of an odd place to end it. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I had a great ride here, man. I, I loved continuing the story of Miles Morales. I loved hearing about the backstory of uh, Gwen Stacy and her problems with her dad. I felt like this this has some characters I liked in this one. I liked the character journeys in this one. And uh, I'm excited to see the next chapter for sure. Yeah. Yeah. When it came to this movie, the problems that people had with it, I understand the ending being cut abruptly. It's a part one of part two or of a two part movie. It has to end somewhere. But at the same time, yeah, I get the not loving where it got cut. But I'm curious (laughs) to see if that opinion changes after the second part comes. And it's like, no, no, that was a good place to cut it. You know, that is a good, like, mid-step for this two-part movie. I mean, yeah, you, you got to end it at some point, right? I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not the editor on this film. I understand. Uh, I just think it's funny you say abruptly for a two-hour and 20-minute movie. That That's Sorry. true. It, it is still a long movie, but at the same time, yeah, it, it for me, it doesn't feel that long. To me, this could have been a seven-hour movie. I'd still walk out and go, I want more. <laughs> right. It, right, I got you. I got you. I understand. Um, yeah, it was, it was it was a solid sequel. It was a great sequel. Um, you all set with that one? Yep. Okay, folks, I got to go into my numero uno here. Um, John Wick, chapter four. Look, folks, when I went into this film, um, I, I know I had loved the first three films that came before it, but I said, this movie's going to be awesome. I'm seeing this in IMAX. I'm with my lady. Let's see what it's got to offer. When this man punched the uh the 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 wood or, or whatever it was, you heard that in the theater. Mm-hmm. And that was a loud bang. I don't even think the opening title logos had any sound. And I remember as the film was going on, I was like, this is special. And then when more things happened, you had the samurai sequence, which was the one part of the film I just thought was all right. But you know, when Johnny uh, when Donnie Yen's character shows up and you're going along the line. And um, you're running into more and more action sequences. I just keep saying to my wife, this is special. And it, to the end, it comes to the point where I'm almost like, like, like proudly saying, this is special. <laughs> you know, like, 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 you know, like this is special. And um, dude, when that aerial tracking one shot came with the dragon breath gun, I was like that gif of that one guy um, that's like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I was a kid in this movie, dude. I was just like sitting up um, on my tippy toes, like, like, like all in. I think the last film that had me like that was either Whiplash or Fury Road. And man, this is just such a terrific cinematic experience, man. Uh, the cinematography, the choreography. Oh, my God. 
that that Paris roundabout scene is oh, yeah. like probably the that and the Dragon Breath scene are probably like the two best action sequences in the John Wick universe to me, dude. The um the hand to hand combat scene with Scott Atkins, which you can't even recognize him in all that makeup, but dude, I I, I love this movie, man. I, I I got a problem with Keanu Reeves, like kind of like laconic dialogue in other films in this in this universe, but in this, all we need him to say is yeah and uh huh. We don't need him to say in consequences. We don't need him to say any other words in this movie. Let's just get down to the get down and end this. And uh, Bill Skarsgård, man, oh my goodness, does he know how to play a villain? Uh, terrific performance by him. And yeah, I mean, there was just it was just a great movie. You got great new characters too. You got uh, Mister Nobody, I think his name was, yep. uh, you know, showing up in this movie. Uh, yeah, man, I, it's just great movie, dude. I, I have no complaints about this. Even with the samurai sequence, it's still fun to watch. But uh, great film. I mean, just great, perfect cinema. And I don't care who disagrees with me. <laughs> yeah, I, I got like I said, this one, it's number four spot on my list and everything like that. This is the action movie of the decade, more or less. You know, I don't see anything topping this one coming up or anything like that. And as a closer mm-hmm. for everything John Wick, like I said before, this is a best of you know, compilation mm-hmm. of John Wick one through three. And it was like, okay, so here's all the parts that worked in those movies. We're going to cram that all in this movie, but make it feel fresh and new and fantastic. This was epic man food. This was mm-hmm. man food. Uh, it, it could be enjoyed by women too, but this was man food, dude. Right. This was John Woo, the raid and all the, uh, Mad Max, everything you love wrapped into one. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, I I knew that it would make it onto your list. I wasn't sure if it was going to be your number one or not, but I knew that this would make it onto your list as well. (laughs) Listen, I know people might be like this over Oppenheimer, but you don't understand. This was a great cinematic experience for me. It it deserves its position. Oh, yeah. I I 100% agree. And that brings us to my number one pick. Uh, for 2023, we have Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. And ah. it, this is one of those action adventure movies and everything that it it is based on the idea of being like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, which is such a broad statement that it's one of those things that would be hard to hit in a way that would feel right in a Hollywood movie. But everything about this movie hits that feeling of being in a D&D campaign. And it's been a long time since I was last able to play a full, long, you know, D&D campaign and, like, get everybody together mm-hmm. to actually do something like that. But it brings back all those feelings of when they're going through, like, okay, how do we solve this problem? I don't know. Let's try and get this item. Will it actually help? We don't know. Let's figure it out, though. You know, and watching everything fail while being, you know, successful at the same time, everything kind of flows nice and easily. It, it pulls off that same feeling of, like, everything is a screw-up until it's not. <laughs> that is a mm-hmm. D&D campaign. And being filled with all kinds of, 
you know, the monsters, the spells and everything that you would see in a normal D&D campaign as well. They took a lot of stuff from the books and a lot of stuff for like the character classes where there was so much love put into this movie from a standpoint of let's create the characters because each character has an actual, you know, line card created for them, which gives all their stats, all their roles, everything like that. And you can pull this up for anybody that cares right from their website where you can see like every skill or every, you know, stat that all of these people have that you're following throughout the movie to see, oh, yeah, that does make sense how they could make those kind of moves because they have a high dexterity or they have a high charisma in the case of like Chris Pine's character who, you know, has all these abilities as a bard and just everything about this movie is one of those ones where I, I said it earlier with other movies, but as you're watching it, I was grinning ear to ear and loving every moment. And it's one of those movies that makes me go, I, I want to go back and play a D and D campaign with people. Like I want to try and get one of those scheduled and get something going again, because this movie brings out everything that is what you would expect from an actual D and D campaign. And the acting is on point. The set design and everything is on point. The effects in this movie are it, it when it comes to showing magic on screen, it's very rare that you see it done to an effect that you go, Oh, that looks like magic, but it, it falls so seamlessly in this movie that you don't even see it as an effect. It's just, Oh yeah, I'm just watching these people do magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. The the thing about this movie, uh, one thing I remember, man, is that this movie was uh, pushed like a MF. Mm-hmm. Like this movie, this movie was advertised like I don't know what. I would log into my Fire Stick and I would see Dungeons and Dragons, uh, free tickets. You know, I get get tickets to an advanced screening. I'm like, dang, like like this movie hasn't even come out yet. You guys are pushing it like I don't know what. Um, it would come off, you know, when you go to the movies and there's like the previews before the previews, like the newbie and all that stuff. Yeah. It would show a preview during that time. Right. I was like, they they really want people to go see this movie. I was like, this either this movie is really trash or they're trying to make their money back. I don't know which one is it. And uh, when I saw the movie, I was glad that it was being pushed my way so much because this is just such a delightful film. And um, you're talking to a person that's never played... Uh, you know, D and D in their life, but uh, did I enjoy? Man, did I enjoy this movie? I, I really thought this was a very enjoyable movie. I love Chris Pine in the lead. I feel like this puts him in the running to be the best Chris, right? Uh, <laughs> absolutely. But uh, yeah, dude, I just love this film, man. I thought it was um, very delightful, very funny. I love Chris Pine's chemistry with uh, Michelle Rodriguez. I loved Hugh Grant. I love Bradley Cooper's cameo. Uh, I love the villain. I think everything was fine in this film. I love the storytelling of it, the like, kind of like the frame story of how they got to the uh, to the prison and the, the whole the whole bit of trying to wait for one of the uh, judges that comes in. That's oh, a bird yeah. part. That's a bird uh, for Jonathan. Uh, I, I think this story is really gonna appease to Jonathan more than anything. Right, right, yeah, dude. Overall, delightful film, man. I I enjoy it, and it's it, it's not in my top ten, but it's in my kind of like my top twenty of this year. So. I, uh, I I enjoy this film. Yeah, when it comes to the advertising for this one, I'm not surprised where they went with it with trying to push it out there as much because 
when you think of a Dungeons and Dragons, you think of, oh, that's just nerdy. You know, I'm not going to like this. I don't know what Dungeons and Dragons is and everything like that. And it's sad that this one didn't hit better at the box office than it did. It still made money, but it was still seen as a not something that they want to pursue. But Paramount Plus like saw the fan reaction and everything from that. And they actually greenlit a I think like an eight episode series or a 10 episode miniseries in okay. order to kind of complement the movie. So it won't have the same characters, but it'll still be like a very D&D inspired m- series, the same as the movie was. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. But gotcha. I, I'm really curious to see how that goes. I really want a sequel from this because it it sounds like from the way that everybody that's in this movie has talked, they want to have another go at it they want to be in a sequel for this movie you know chris pine has said multiple times in interviews that having the opportunity to make a sequel would be a no-brainer to him he'd jump on that board as soon as you know the script hit his desk he would accept it you you just write the check yeah i don't care how much you're paying me right uh well well, i do kind of care but i'll I'll do it (laughs) right you know it basically going do you have a script yeah we have a script i'm in I'm in. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him in it again, too. I feel like this is a great role for him. And he's come a long way as an actor, too. Like, you, oh, you've yeah. seen Chris Pine in, in a lot of dramatic roles from, um, you know, Hella High Water. You know, one of my favorites from that year that came out. Um, I know people loved him in Don't Worry, Darling, which I still haven't seen yet. But, uh, yeah, this, this is a great role for him. Oh, yeah. All right, man. That was our list. That's our double feature versus top ten list. It, it was. It took us a while to get there, y'all, but um, we got there. And uh, you know, we did it for y'all. You know, you guys listen to us. Um, you know, we do this podcast. You know, really for fun because we love talking about cinema, and uh, it's just good to get together at the end of the year and talk about what we loved. Um, I'm surprised neither one of us had Cocaine Bear on our list. Yeah, it it was at the top of my list at the start, and it just kept getting knocked down and down as I realized that other movies came out this year. Yeah, you know, I had it there. It was right there, and then I saw about a thousand more movies this month, and it just it just got all the way pushed down. It just down. slowly got pushed down and off the list. Uh, I I do want to talk about one movie that was on my list up until the last week and it got pushed down after I saw the holdovers and then it got sadly pushed off the list after I saw the Iron Claw was like no no that's got to be on the list and Mm. that is a animated film called Nimona and me too you had this one on your list at one point dude it's literally at number 11 right now Okay, yeah, that's where it would fall for mine, too, is number 11, is Nimona. And I I remember bringing it up when it first came out and everything like that, because I had actually caught it at somebody's house who had Netflix at the time. And we watched this movie because the animation style just looked so insane. And it ended up Mm -hmm. being just this very heartwarming, you know, creative plot of, you know, being like the, the theme of accept who you are or don't judge a book by its cover kind of thing. But it's Mm -hmm. done in such a creative way that it's so nice to see. And the animation style on top of it just makes it such a beautiful movie to watch as well. And I I was 
trying so hard to find something to pair it up with this year to throw a, a double features episode in for it but i just nothing came up throughout the rest of the year for us to do it but i'm glad that you did actually catch it yeah man it was a film that uh when, when um we were in fyc season um uh, you know everyone was like listen don't sleep on this like like mm-hmm. you know check this film out i said oh i heard about that so um i had never read the original graphic novel but it had been like the film had been pitched to me so i said Plus, I heard Chloe Moretz gives a great vocal performance in it. Oh, yeah. So I said, okay, let me give it a try. And uh, people weren't lying, man. Um, I love her. I love Riz Ahmed in this film. Uh, it's just a terrific story. I love the the character of Nimone because she's such a, you know, let's kill them all type of character. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't really know if she's kidding or not until you actually get to know her and you learn her backstory, of course. But she's so unlike the main character who was on the run. She's such a, a yang to his yin. Mm-hmm. And um, I love their chemistry, dude. And by the end oh, of the yeah. film, you're, you're in love with both of them. Oh, yeah. It's it's one of those ones that I didn't expect to love that movie as much. I expected it to be mm-hmm. like, yeah, here's another kid's movie and everything. It's got like a funky kind of animation style. I'm kind of into, you know, seeing something done differently and everything. And by the end of it, it was like, OK, that was a great movie. I was not expecting that at all. And I, I'm trying to remember when it first came out because it's back then that I find that I caught it. But yeah, I, I'm glad that you finally got a chance to see that one too and enjoyed it as well. Yeah, absolutely, dude. It was at it was at um it was at the tail end of my list, but then I said, I can't put that over Boy in the Hair on. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I had to put Boy in the Hair on over it. It it, it missed it by an inch. Um, yeah, there, there's some other, you know, um, uh, uh, honorable mentions here. Creed three was mm. awesome. Uh, May, May, December on Netflix is pretty good. Uh, the killer Bo is afraid Saltburn. I got some honorable mentions on my list too, that, that almost made it, but yeah, I agree with you on the Mona. That's, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. It's on the ones that, you know, it, like you said, Bo is afraid was one of the ones that was like, oh man, that. It feels like it should be on the list. And Mm. then there's some like uh, missing was on there at one point, which slowly Mm. got bumped off just because I love the way that it's all presented. The same as searching. Oh, yeah. Missing was awesome. You know, the Super Mario Bros movie is just it's a huge thing that we finally got a Super Mario Brothers movie because Nintendo never lets their properties go anywhere. So that that was a huge milestone as well and yeah there there was a lot this year mhm absolutely i agree i agree um so pretty much uh with with the with the film with the uh, uh um a year like this you know we we pretty much cap- capped off here what we loved uh going into after show um, I'm sure you got some things you, you want to mention here, but I uh, want to give a shout out to uh, two people we lost recently, uh, Andre Brower, and um, I believe his name was uh, Tom Wilkinson. Uh, two fine actors here, man. Tom Wilkinson, you know, most people know him for the full Monty, uh, playing Carmine in Batman Begins. His great role in Michael Clayton in, in the bedroom. Andre Brower, you know, a lot of people know him for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, the original show Homicide, which was on TV for a while. Uh, two fine actors here that just it's just sad that we lost them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
Yeah, it's seeing us lose the captain from Brooklyn Nine Nine. That that one hit. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. These are these are two fine actors here that um, you know, uh, and I know that we lost some more people, but I just wanted to give a shout out to them because these are guys, these are actors that whose uh, whose work has impacted me uh, mm-hmm. for stuff that I've seen them in. Right. Yeah, this was one of those sad years for, uh, you know, people that we lost. But yeah, those two, just this month, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So let me ask you this. Um, what are, what, what did you want to cover in After Show? Has there been anything else you've seen recently? Uh, I did catch the entirety of the new season of What If with uh, Marvel, which, once again, I, I think that knocks it out of the park with being just a series that is pulling everything that it can. I, I love the concept of the What If comics, and the show definitely grabs that entire concept and runs with it, and I love that. So anybody that is loves the concept of, like, but what if it was, you know, Hela instead of Thor that was sent down to Earth and everything? It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I can get behind that concept. What would happen if that was the case? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I, I had heard so I, I've heard some kind of like I've heard some mixed reviews about this second season in comparison to the first. Now I haven't seen the show at all, but I heard like a lot of people love the first season. Mm-hmm. So what's kind of like your response? Would you agree or would you were you on the side of it's it's fine? See, I still enjoyed it. You know, I think they went okay. a little bit crazier with some of the what if scenarios this time. And it wasn't so much a, you know, what if this beloved thing was different slightly to this beloved thing? They they went a lot more with crazier concepts of like doing Marvel 1602. They did, you know, Hela instead of Thor being sent to Earth and having to, you know, find herself and everything. And, you know, they even had an entirely original story of like what happened if, you know, instead of... Th- these heroes finding this item, a new group of people found it and it turned to this. And Mm. so there was a lot more kind of playing with the idea of what if in this one than they did in season one, which I enjoyed a lot, but I can see where other people are like, but no, I want it to be like, what if Captain America did this? Or what if the Hulk did that? Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. I, um, you know me, man, I'm way behind on the MCU universe. I, uh, I, I still gotta, uh, catch up, but you know, I, I heard that it's a good show because Mm. I I like kind of figuring out like, uh, Oh, what if this person was this? What if this person caught up with this person? That does sound kind of interesting. So I know we got some anticipation. And films I'm anticipating for the new year here. Uh, top of my list is Dune. Oh, yeah. Uh, me being a fan of the book, I can't wait to see this next film, which kind of covers the second half of the book, uh, I believe. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, man. I know it's going to be great on the big screen. Looking forward to, I believe it's coming out this year, Ballerina, which is a John Wick spinoff. Yes, I think that's coming toward the middle of the year somewhere. Okay. And Furiosa, come on, man. I've been fiending for a new George Miller Mad Max Universe film since Fury Road. Uh, it's been too long. 
Yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, Joker 2, Joker Foley Ado with uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Lady Gaga joining the mix as Harley uh, looks interesting. Uh, you know how much I love musicals, right? So we'll we'll see how that one goes. I, I'm sure that you're gonna have that one at the top of the list. As uh, we need to see this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, um, yeah, man. So uh, looking forward to all that stuff there. Uh, anything you're looking forward to in the new year? I mean, obviously those movies that you list are some of the top ones that I'm waiting for. But Deadpool three is another one that's just. I, I can't wait for us to finally get that just to see where they decide to go with it and everything. Like it seems to be, it's going to be a love letter to the Fox universe. And mm-hmm. that is pretty much going away now due to the fact that Marvel now owns Fox and is going to do their own thing with the X-Men. So that's going to be nice. Uh, there's been a couple other kind of movies that I've seen popping up like the, well, the new Ghostbusters is coming up. I, I'm oh, excited yeah. for that that we have. And that one's coming up pretty soon here, too. Um, you know, the Book of Clarence, which is coming out just in a week or so from now. That one looks really good as well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about that one. I'm not. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. The, the plot of it doesn't attract me at all. Um, I like Lakeith Stanfield, so I hope he does great in it. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not sold on that one. See, it looks like it's going to be a funny movie. And, you know, Lakeith in kind of that comedy role and everything always pulls perfectly. So I'm curious to see how this one goes. If it was anybody else in that role, I think I would have less interest in it. But him being in that role is like, okay, you got my attention. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I hear you. Um yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff here um, that I uh, I definitely feel like, uh, you know, will make it a great year. All right, y'all. It's been another great year here with uh, DFV. Been another great podcast. We will see y'all on the next one. Uh, remember to, uh, you know, watch cinema, love cinema, and uh, take it easy. <laughs>